about to get some help. So hang in there with me today. And let's pray because how many know that the enemy, the, the devil, does not want you to get some help today? So look at Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 1. And the Bible says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. In other words, in Old Testament, they were under that that system of law. Even so we, verse 3, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Verse 4, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. By the way, that's that personal relationship with God. And how many religions today teach that you can't really know God? I'm so glad that's not what Christianity teaches. We can not only know Him, but we can know Him on a personal, a personal basis. That Abba there is actually, it would be like our saying, Daddy. That's what it's talking about there. That's how close we can be to the Heavenly Father. In verse 7, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a what? But a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Now I want to draw your attention to back to verse number 4. Wow. The Bible says, but when the fullness of the time was come. We were under bondage. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son. You may be seated. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that subject this morning, the fullness of time. Let's pray together as a church family, all right? Father, we love you. And thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary Baptist Church this morning. Thank you for the great music, the wonderful singing. Thank you for the choir specials. Lord, thank you for bringing the Brown family our way today. And, and Lord, challenging us about this thing of missions reaching the country of, of Turkey and the Muslim people. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that your favor and that your hand of blessing would be, would be upon this family, that you would protect them, that you would provide for them, that you would help them in their support. And God, that you would give them many souls for their labors. Bless them in a great way. And then, Lord, we thank you for the wonderful special this morning that Lori, that Lori sang and that went right along really with the message today. Your life for ours. I'm glad, Lord, that in the fullness of time that you came and you gave your life for ours. That we might have life and have it more abundantly. Father, the best I know how right now, I want to plead the blood of Jesus over this service, over this congregation, over this preacher, over this message. And Heavenly Father, I pray that with your great and amazing and almighty power, that you would bind the powers of darkness. And God, that you would keep them away and out. And Lord, that you would keep your spirit in here, your blessings in here. And Lord, that you would accomplish your wonderful will. I pray, Heavenly Father, that I'm not just going to preach a sermon. 
But God, I pray that I'll give a message. And I pray that it'll challenge the hearts of your people and me as well. We love you, Lord. Thanks for being so wonderful to us. You are so good. We love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness, when the fullness of the time was come. Fullness of the time. It means this. It means just at the right time. God sent his son just at the right time. It means this, it means the specified time. But when the specified time, this is so good, man, I'm about to get excited, we haven't even got started yet. When the specified time was come, not before, by the way, not after. But when the specified time was come, God sent forth his son. It means this, the word fullness there, it means Performance, period. (laughs) Have you ever heard this? Peak performance. Or maybe you're getting ready to take a trip and you begin to look into that trip. You've heard this phrase, peak season. Peak season. That means when everybody's going to be there. When the parks are going to be crowded. When the hotels are going to be more expensive. When it's going to be a time when When everyone has come together, that's what it's talking about, that peak performance, that peak season. God, now listen to this, Calvary, God specifically waited for a certain window of time to send his precious son. If I could put it like this, a time that would be most opportune or a time that would benefit the maximum amount of people, a time when it would be easier to get the message to all of the world more than any other time in history or the future. You see, there were some interesting things that, that were taking place in the world when, when God, during that fullness of time, when God chose to, to send the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, there were some amazing things that that were beginning to line up at that time. What do you mean, preacher? Well, for one, it was a time of worldwide peace. Now, there was Roman occupation. You understand that, and I understand that. The Jews were uh, definitely not fond of that Roman occupation. Uh, Rome was pretty much the the leader of the world at that time. But, But peacefully speaking, the world was at a time of peace. There wasn't wars that were breaking out all over the world. It was a worldwide or a time of worldwide peace. But not only that, but we notice here that there was was an excellent road system that had been established by Rome. And so because of that, people were able to travel easier than any time. Folks could get somewhere quicker than it had ever been. And so there was this this road system that that people had never really seen before. and, And folks could get here and they could go there. Uh, word could travel, uh, the gospel could travel, messages could travel uh, quicker and more easily than ever before. Not only that, but we noticed that uh, one language had become predominant across the empire. It was called Koine Greek, common Greek. By the way, we get our King James Bible from that. Koine Greek. 
People begin to adapt that language. They begin to, oh, they, they may have spoken another language, but they begin to, they begin to learn Koine Greek. And, and, and that way, many people could speak the same language. Now, hear what I'm about to say. You understand that God could have implemented his plan at any moment. He had that power. You'll never put God in a box. God can do what God wants to do. And God can do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it. And it doesn't matter what you say. And it doesn't matter what I say. God can do it because God has the power. In fact, God has all power. And so you understand this morning that God could have implemented his power at any moment. He had the power to do that. But notice this. This is so wonderful. But we notice here that God waited. God waited for the perfect time. He waited for the opportune time. He waited for the peak season. He could have sent Jesus any time he had wanted, but he waited for the perfect time. Now, I don't know if you know it, but we learned some wonderful lessons from this. I want to share a few of them with you this morning, if I could. Number one, first of all, we notice a godly example. Now, hang with me, Calvary. This, I think this will help somebody. We notice a godly example. What do you mean, preacher? I mean that one of the things that we learn here in Galatians chapter 4 is that God Almighty waited. Now, that's a great truth. You say, is that a big deal? No, it's bigger than a big deal. It's huge. It's colossal. God waited. God chose to wait for the fullness of the time. He chose, God Almighty chose to refrain. He chose, if if, if I could say it very carefully like this, God chose to exhibit self-control. I could send Jesus now, but I'm not. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for that peak performance. He had the power to act but chose not to. Godly example. You know, Calvary, you got to wonder, how much better would things be if we would follow that same godly example? And just wait. Just wait. Just refrain. When that urge hits you or that impulse hits you, well, I wonder what would happen if we would just follow the example of our wonderful God and say, I want to do this, I want to move, I want to, to do this thing, but I'm just going to wait. I'm going to refrain. I'm going to exhibit some self-control. I'm going to give forth some temperance uh, before I do that thing. Now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, how about this? How about if we would wait before we spoke? Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 28. Even when a fool, even when a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. 
Ecclesiastes 5 and verse number 2. Be not rash with thy mouth and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. What are you preaching? preaching? I'm preaching this. Oh, that we would follow the example of our heavenly Father. And when you want to say something that, by the way, you know you probably shouldn't say. Something that's going to hurt somebody. Something that's going to pull somebody down. Somebody that's going to damn it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Somebody that's going to somebody that's gonna hurt someone. Oh, would to God that we would say, hold on just a minute. I want to say it. I, I, everything inside me is wanting me to speak it out. But I'm going to follow the example of my Heavenly Father. And I'm going to refrain. I'm going to hold it in. I'm not, somebody says, well, preacher, you don't understand. I'm just the kind of person that speaks my mind. And my dear friend, you have spoken your mind so much that you don't hardly have any mind left I just speak my mind can you give me a chapter and verse on that you cannot give me a chapter and verse on that but I can give you many more verses than what I just gave you on what I'm preaching this morning that there are times when even though we're tempted even though we want to say it we ought to refrain and we ought to wait your husband does something and man I mean, we might as well be practical this morning. Why preach fluff if it's not going to help you? Your husband does something and he gets on your last ever-loving nerve. And you say, I am getting ready to give him both barrels. And I'm not talking about birdshot. I'm talking about buckshot, man. Hey, ladies. I understand that we can get on your last nerve every once in a while. But you would be wise to refrain. How many men are here this morning that would give me a big amen? And if you don't, you're a coward. (laughs) Brother Rick is living by faith. You don't even know what I'm going to say. How many men would agree that there's just no hope of us ever Figuring out a woman. It's just not going to happen. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how how intellectual you are. I don't care what kind of college degree you've got. I'm just telling you, there are just some things that aren't going to happen. I mean, two plus two is four. The Pope's a Catholic. The cups are going to come in last place. And I'm just telling you, my dear friend, that you are never going to quite understand a woman. And there are times when she does things and says things and and pushes buttons and and you want to fire back across the bow and you want to say, oh yeah, well if you can let me give you a piece of my mind wait a minute now this is all I'm saying oh that we would follow this godly example and say you know what I want to say something I want to speak a word I want to be hurtful with my speech but I am going to wait I'm going to wait wait I wonder what would happen if we would wait before we reacted you know what I thought about? I thought about Moses. Don't you feel sorry for Moses? I feel sorry for Moses. Man, if anybody had a, if anybody had a right to get aggravated, come on now, Moses did. I mean, those rebellious, boisterous, complaining children of Israel. 
And God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. And Moses comes and, and he begins to, uh, he, he sees the attitude of, of the people of Israel and, and Moses gets upset. And you know the story, Moses hits the rock instead of speaking to it. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, because you didn't obey me, I'm going to, you're not going to go into the promised land. I just wonder, I wonder what would have happened if Moses, before he took that rod and smote the rod, if he would just would have said, hang on, Aaron, let's take a deep breath. Let's count to 10. Let's go pray. Before I do what I feel like, you know, must we fetch you water out of the rock, you bunch of rebels. That's in your Bible, by the way. Moses said, you make me so mad. And Moses smote the rock. By the way, he messed up that picture of salvation. And because of that, God said, Moses, you're not going into the, into the promised land. I wonder what would have happened if Moses would have waited. I wonder how many people have been hurt. How many relationships have been ended. How many families have been damaged. Because of what we call a knee-jerk reaction. Knee jerk. I never really studied that out. I looked at it this week to find out where that phrase came from. Knee jerk. A knee jerk reaction. We've heard of that before. A knee jerk reaction. Have any of you ever been to the doctor? The doctor sets you up on the bed or the, or the table there. He takes out this, this little rubber mallet and he taps you on the knee at just the right place. And here it is. Without you even thinking about it, your leg twitches. It's a knee-jerk reaction. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to plan on doing it. He just taps you, and your, your leg reacts. Now, you say, Pastor, what's I got to do with anything? Did you know that is how many people run their life? Knee-jerk reaction. Man, just don't think, don't stop, don't pray, don't ponder, don't meditate. Don't think about how's this going to help, how's this going to hurt, how's this going to react, how's this going to damage. I mean, it's just the first thing out of their mouth. It's the first thing off the top of their head. And, and, and this is what I'm saying this morning, Calvary. Wait before you speak. Wait before you respond. Wait before you react. Wait before you make that unwise purchase. Wait, man, just wait. I know it looks good. It looks like you ought to do it. But wait, wait for the fullness of the time. And so we notice a godly example. By the way, I, let me just give this illustration because maybe it'll keep somebody from making an, a, a mistake. I mean, think about this thing of waiting. This last week, I was on my way to the house. My phone rang. And it was a recording and it said, this is the, the fraudulent department from Amazon. Man, that sounded absolutely official. They said, we, ex we suspect that there's been fraudulent activity on your account, someone in Bakersfield, California has purchased a new iPhone for $999. If you did not make this charge, press one. I thought, man. So I pressed one. A guy picked up. Sound absolutely professional. This is Amazon. I said, yes, the, the, the fraudulent or fraud department uh, uh, contacted me and said there's been some kind of a charge. He, he, you know, began to tap his keys and he came back and said, yes. He said, there's someone bought a, 
uh, have you been in California recently? I said, I've not been in California recently. He said, someone uh, purchased a, an iPhone uh, on your account, uh, uh, $999. Uh, is that you? I said, that's not me. He said, okay, Mr. Pope, let's get this, let's get this cleaned up. Would you do this? Would you do this? And then I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Something didn't smell right. And so after a little while, I hung up. They called me right back. And he said, Mr. Pope, he said, we got disconnected. Did you hang up on me? I said, you know what? Actually, I did hang up on you. And I said, you said you work for Amazon. He said, yes, I do. I said, all right, why don't you tell me the last few purchases that I have made from Amazon? Click. Now, wait a minute. What's your point? My point is wait. Man, just wait. Dr. Evans used to say, if it's an emergency today, it'll be an emergency tomorrow. Man, just wait. I mean, just wait. Just ponder. Just hold on. Put the brakes on before you do something. Oh, yes. We're, the Lord's helping us this morning. Before you do something in your home, before you do something tragic in your marriage, before you let all that you've built up and God has done in your life, before you let it vaporize into the air, before you make some tragic mistake that you're going to regret for the rest of your life, just wait. Just wait. Wait. And so we see a godly example, but I love this next point. Number two, we also see a great explanation. We notice here that God purposely waited for a specific time to send his son in order to benefit all of mankind. God waited for the fullness of the time. Have you ever done this, Calvary? Have you ever wondered why God waits to answer your prayers? Does that ever bother anybody else? You've prayed and prayed and prayed. You've fasted. You've tried to walk in the Bible. You've prayed about this thing and prayed about this thing and prayed about this thing. And and somebody says, Pastor, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why? Why is God not hearing my prayers? Listen to me. I want you to understand. Your pastor, God sent your pastor here this morning to remind you of something. That God is just waiting for the fullness of the time. Have you ever wondered why God waits to heal your affliction? Pastor, they said cancer. Preacher, they said, I'm plagued with migraine headaches. Pastor, they said that I may have Parkinson's. Preacher, why does God, why does God wait to heal my affliction? Because it's not the fullness of the time. Have you ever wondered why God waits to give you the sufficient funds for a certain bill? I mean, you prayed about it. Lord, we need this much to pay the light bill. God, we got to have it. God, we've got to have it. And all of a sudden, God, God hesitates. God waits. Now, listen to me now. This is so great. Calvary, I want you to understand something. That according to 1 John, the Bible reminds us that God hears your prayers. And the Bible also tells us that God loves you so much that God is going to answer your prayers. And so when you pray about that thing, God is listening And God has full intentions, I believe, of answering your prayers, but he's waiting for the fullness of the time. That perfect time that's going to benefit you and others. But here's the thing, you got to be patient. And that's the tough part, isn't it? 
I want you to take your Bibles, turn away from Galatians chapter 4, and I want you to turn with me to Job this morning. Job chapter 23. We don't have anything that necessarily tells us that God ever explained to Job why he did what he did. But I do believe this, Calvary. I believe that somewhere along the line, I believe that Job learned this lesson that I'm trying to teach here at Calvary this morning. Look, if you will, at Job chapter 23 and verse number 8. And Job is in the heat of the battle. He's in the valley. Oh, he's lost all 10 of his kids. His health is gone. His wife has said, why don't you just curse God and die? His homes are gone. His prosperity has vanished. Now he's got these three friends that have come in and they've just, they have tore him apart. You understand that Job's at the bottom. He's in the ash heap. His body is covered from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet with boil, some kind of a boil. And Job is as low as a man could ever get. But look what Job says in Job 23 and verse number 8. Job said, behold, he said, I go forward. But he's not there. He's talking about the Lord. And then he said him backward. But I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. In other words, God said, Lord, when are you going to bring me out of this valley? I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I've sought your face and I've tried to walk with you and I've tried to be faithful. And he said, I look on the right hand and you're not there. And I look on the left hand and I can't find you. And he said, I put it in reverse and I can't find God. And he said, nothing's making sense. But Job said, I understand something though. When the fullness of the time is come, God's going to bring me through this thing. Look what he says. Verse number 10. But, but, I can't find him. I don't understand what he's doing, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job is saying this, I don't understand why God is doing what God is doing. And for some reason, God's not bringing me out of this right now. But Job said, I do know this, in the fullness of time, when God knows it's time, I'm going to grow. I'm going to come forth as gold. I'm going to have a better understanding of the word of God. I'm going to love the word of God more than I do now. Oh, listen, Christian, whatever you do, don't give up the fight. Hang in there. Don't get discouraged. God is going to come through for you. We notice a godly example. We notice a great explanation. We're going to bring this thing to a close. Number three, and last of all, we notice a grave exhortation. What's the exhortation? Listen, if if you've heard anything I've said, I want you to really tune me in right now. The exhortation is this. Don't become impatient with God when he waits. And don't become impatient while you're having to wait. Here's the temptation. The temptation is to get become indifferent. The temptation is to become a little bitter. 
And then old smutty face comes up and he sits on your shoulder and he'll say something like this, boy, oh boy, oh boy. God sure isn't fair. I mean, that preacher told you that God loved you and all that rigmarole. And here it is, you've prayed and prayed and prayed and sought God and saw God's face and tried to be faithful to church, tried to read your Bible, tried to spend time in prayer, and God hasn't come through for you. God's not been fair. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? God's not been fair to you. And then the devil will say, if I was your God, you see, if I was your God, I'd give it to you right now. I wouldn't make you wait. I'd just give it to you right here. Johnny on the spot, man, I'd just, I'd give it to you right here. But here's the only problem with that. It would not be the fullness of the time. Have you ever dug ditches, worked out on the farm, dug post holes for the fence? You came in later that day, and man, you were muddy from head to toe. Those blue jeans you had on, that shirt you had on, covered with mud and dirt. Man, you went in the house, stripped down, you took that bundle of dirty, dirty laundry into the washroom. You open up the washing machine, you dump it in there, you pour some soap in there. Wait a minute now. You start the, you, you start the wash, washing machine going, you know when that, you know when that laundry, do you know when that laundry gets clean? In the fullness of the time. If you put that dirty, soiled, sweaty, muddy laundry into that washing machine and you let it fill up and then you go over there and you rush the cycle, you know what's going to happen? You may get to the end, but when you get the laundry out, it's still going to be dirty. You know why? You've got to let the cycle run. Oh, yes. Well, if God ain't helping nobody else, he's helping me this morning. I mean, I'm getting this on short wave today. I mean, this is good stuff. You ladies, we have some of the greatest cooks in the world at Calvary Baptist Church. That's the truth. Some of Miss Sue's cakes will go down in history. Miss Sue gets in her kitchen. She begins to do that magic, whatever she does, and she begins to Put a little, bit of that, a little bit of this in there and, and a lot of this in there. and She cracks some eggs and put those in. A lot of sugar. She begins to whip it up. She pours it out into that cake plate or whatever it is that she's baking the cake in. She takes that cake batter. She slides it into the, into the oven. Wait a minute now. You know when that cake is going to be baked in the fullness of the time. She sets that timer. She waits patiently. She waits patiently. And all of a sudden, after a little while, something's smelling good. She, she, even, she even peers through the oven window, and it looks done. But it's not the fullness of the time. She waits until that little timer that she set, and all of a sudden, it goes, ding. Miss Sue goes over to the 
oven. She opens it up. She pulls that cake out. and It's absolutely beautiful. You know why? Because the fullness of the time. We have some expecting mothers here this morning. Did you know the last thing that you want for your baby is for it to be delivered before the fullness of the time? Boy, in, in, in childbirth is, is a miracle of God. My wife and I have never had a baby yet when we just didn't cry. Just cried like a baby. I mean, to see that baby come into the world and to think, man, God would give us, somehow give us the opportunity to have a part in this. And, but God has established that for you ladies that it's going to be nine long months. Nine long, long months. And if it's July or August, it's long, long, long. But here's the thing. You don't want that baby coming before the fullness of the time. Not always, but a lot of times when a baby is premature, there's problems. Sometimes if a baby comes too soon, its lungs are not developed. It can't breathe like it's supposed to. Sometimes when a baby is born prematurely, it has to stay in the hospital for weeks and weeks. Many times in an incubator. It's the eyes are closed. Mom and daddy can't even touch it physically. They have to reach through and touch it with gloves and they, and they, 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 they can't hold it and that mama can't embrace the body of that little baby. And the reason is because it came before the fullness of the time. And there's some of you here this morning. The devil has came and said, what a God. Unfair, 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 unfair that God would let this happen to you. You don't deserve this. You deserve better than this. And it just looks like nothing's going to work out. But there's something you need to understand. It's not the fullness of the time. You're going to have to be patient. Wow. You're going to have to be patient. I see these wonderful missionaries down here. William Carey, who's known as the father of modern day missions. William Carey takes off for a foreign field. And they said that for seven years, for seven years, William Carey toiled and served and preached and taught and translated the Bible into their language and he did his best. For seven years he served not one convert. Not one. I mean, after that first year, you'd think at least somebody, nobody. Second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year, nothing. Seven years he toiled. Not one solitary convert. But you see, the fullness of the time had not come. But that godly man Stayed faithful. And guess what happened? Somebody got saved. And then another got saved. And another got saved. And another got saved. And churches began to be established. And that was in 1793. And to this day, India and Asia are still feeling the effects of a man by the name of William Carey. Why? The fullness of the time had come.
Some of you here this morning, you're in the battle of your life. I, 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 and I, I don't try to preach to one person, but I can't help but look out over the audience. And I, see, I see burdens. I see heavy hearts. Some of them you know about, some of them you don't. I think about some folks right now that my wife and I are close to. I'm, you, you talk about broken hearts. You talk about life, a life shattered, and it seems like it's been disintegrated. But here's the problem. If we're not careful, a lot of times we'll become impatient, and we'll get indifferent, and we allow bitterness to start creeping in. When what we have to do is step back and say, wait a minute. It's not the fullness of the time. When it's time for God to work, my God, who loves me, and cares for me, and hears me, my God is going to come through. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, thank you for this wonderful truth that you've shown us this morning. Lord, forgive us for when we become impatient. Forgive us, Lord, for when we don't want to wait. When we say things and do things that are hurtful and damaging. Lord, forgive us for our lack of patience. Father, I'm praying this morning that supernaturally that you would give some people some divine patience. Today, Father, I pray that you'd help some folks to make their way to an old-fashioned altar. And today they would come and say, Lord, I don't understand. I can't find you. This doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm going to wait for the fullness of the time. I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you that you know the way. I can't track you, but I can trust you. Father, I pray that you'd work in hearts today. And we pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. I pray some folks would get some help. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name.